the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. If you wanted something so bad that you were willing to kill the individual to get it, uh, it says a lot about more than you'd ever know about your character. Well, we're going to look at somebody today that will go to any means to get their selfish desires. And so this is Bert and Alex, and it's good to be with you today. And we're hoping you're having a good day. And we're asking God to just do a great work here on Exploring the Word. Alex, there's some characters in the Bible that are evil and and just beyond uh, description. But there's this yes. woman called Jezebel. I would say she'd probably be in the top ten. Would you? Yeah, she's a pretty tough critter. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, the heart is greedy, isn't it? And and the heart is jealous, and the heart is vengeful. And so we're living in a time when Ahab and Jezebel are exhibiting some of the worst characteristics of human sin, aren't they? They really are. And uh, but they God keeps track and uh he he really does and he's got his man there at the position to tell them what's going to happen we're studying prophets kings and kingdoms and we've looked at the kingdom when it was together one kingdom and now it is two kingdoms you got a northern and southern kingdom the northern kingdom is called israel the southern kingdom is judah and we've had these kings that are ruling and now in the southern uh, I would say in the last half when it's divided, they come and they go. and uh, But you have some prophets that come along and prophesy. Now, one that was very, very strong that we've studied the last two days is the prophet Elijah. And uh, Elijah's pronouncement of judgment was very, very severe. And this sin that Jezebel and Ahab does against Naboth, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, does not go unnoticed by God, and he's going to send Elijah pr- to pronounce the judgment. But let's mm. go over this sin. Uh, it's in chapter 21. Uh, you know, Ahab had a lot, but he wanted more. Uh, what what great man said, how much money do you want? And he said, just one more dollar, you know? Yes, and, a uh, little bit more. Uh, just a little bit more. And that's Ahab. There's this uh, garden or vineyard plot right next to the palace and uh, he wants it he offers to buy it offers to trade it but the Jezreelite not Naboth says no this is my inheritance this is more than land this is my uh this is a legacy this is a heritage and he refuses to buy it and what does Ahab does he pouts Alex you know he he really does he really like a child I can't get what I want and uh so it's well, just, you know, Bert, um, I, I read that Na, um, Naboth was being very faithful because of two things. You'll notice he says this is, quote, the inheritance of my fathers. So for one thing, even though Ahab demanded that, you know, you sell it to me, it wasn't just, hey, do you have any interest in selling that land? It, it was a demand. But Naboth, uh, really, it wasn't his to completely make that 
uh, decision. He had to consult with the family. But the other thing I read in a commentary, Bert, was a vineyard was a special thing because um, the, the, the grapes and the juice that uh, a fruitful vineyard signified the faithfulness of God. And in a way, to sell your vineyard was kind of a disgraceful thing. And so uh, Ahab even asking it, that was just not really appropriate to ask to buy somebody's vineyard and then to demand it. Uh, Naboth was right to refuse. Ahab was wrong to demand it. Well, when you find a, a king especially like that, that has power, and all of a sudden that power is cut some of it away from him, uh, the anger rises. And here, in this case, uh, it was sadness, but I'm sure anger. And then it, usually sadness follows anger. You know, there's an emotional uh, dip after anger. And, but his wife Jezebel hears about it, and I, I think it'd be good for us to talk a little bit about her. Uh, verse 6 of, of 1 Kings chapter 21 and uh, verse 5, But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, to her husband, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, Because I wish I could do it the way it probably sounded. Yes. But, Put on a pout. Yeah, because I spoke to Naboth, the uh, Jezreelite, and he said to me, <laughs> I said to him, Give me your vineyard for money or else. If it pleases you, I'll give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I'll not give you my vineyard. I, I can just hear that conversation. I can't do it justice, oh, yeah. Alex. But listen to what Jezebel. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, you now exercise authority over Israel. Do you not know that you're the boss? You, you do anything you want. Arise, eat food, let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Now then the plan starts, Alex, of killing Naboth. And it all it's part of a lie and uh, part of a conspiracy. Uh, man, can you imagine it being in our day? I, mm. You know, would the media protect such people today? I wonder sometimes, you know. Uh, I know. Well, do you remember in the Ten Commandments when um, uh, the wife of um, Ramses was mocking him and says, you're not a man, Moses is a man, you yeah, know. I you, remember that. You, well, do you get the impression that Jezebel is almost mocking him like that? Are you the king over Israel? You know, uh, she's really kind of goading him into doing something evil because she's essentially saying, you know, you're the king. You take what you want, which is, of course, you know, she says you exercise authority now over Israel. And so uh, you don't even have to ask permission. This is yours. But she writes letters in Ahab's name and puts the official seal on them and sends them to the, the nobles around the land. And notice it, it sounds spiritual. Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people. Uh, in a way, she sounds like she's doing something good at first, doesn't it? it but then yep. she, she sets him up for a false accusation to take, that he would be taken out and be stoned. And, and the idea is someone, two false witnesses, I love the New King James says scoundrels, they are, yeah. and, uh, but accusing him of blaspheming God. Now, what they do, they use God at their convenience. You know, mm, uh, they yeah. weren't even thinking when about useful. God. Yeah, when useful, that's exactly. And you, it says, and then you're to take him out 
and to stone him outside the city. They did that, and he died. Listen at verse 13. Then they took him outside the city, stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. We've carried out your deed. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take your possession of the vineyard of Naboth for the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is now not alive but dead. Alex, mm. the evil that you just, you you can hear it in, in the repetition of these words. In verse 16, now I'll turn it over back to you. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up, went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. There's no remorse, but it seems like gladness. You know, Mm. Uh, this is the whole idea. It reminds me of how they were in Noah's day, that their hearts were evil continually. I think Ahab and Jezreel had that same mindset. Do you remember back in uh, 2 Samuel 12 when we were going through the life of David, and after David, you know, had Uriah killed and he committed uh, fornication with Bathsheba. After all this is done, supposedly in secret, Second uh, Samuel 12 said, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Well, see, God saw all this. And let me just read a little bit from 17. This is fascinating. It says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, and remember, Elijah's hiding out for his life. But God says, Arise and go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is, in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him. In other words, Elijah, here's what you're going to say to the king. Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? See, God knew about this. And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. And Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? See, here's the thing. The man of God is not the enemy. Ahab thinks it is. Ahab says, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, do you know, uh, history and scripture indicates it wasn't just Naboth, but his sons too. 2 Kings 9 indicates that Naboth's sons were also killed in this act. And the blood of Naboth and his sons was known to God. But, uh, Bert, what do you think went through? Because I, I get the feeling Ahab is a fearful, weak bully of a man. He might wield authority, but he's, he's, a, he's a bully. And when Elijah says this, you know, you've murdered and taken this vineyard, I bet fear coursed through his heart, didn't it? It did. And you talking about he's kind of like a puppet. Uh, I th- and I'm jumping yes. ahead, and I know we'll want to go back, but just to amplify what you just said, listen to verse 25. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Uh, I, you know, Jezebel knew what strings to pull. She she knew exactly. Notice what she had done. She took the the king's seal. She wrote the letters, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, she was kind of I the mean, sh- that's pretty bold, yeah. wasn't it? She was the shadow ruler, if, if you really want to get at. 
but Ahab is evil, and I you can't help but notice the words. It says you have who has sold himself. Uh, kind of, I think it's playing off the words about wanting to buy Naboth's vineyard, you know? No, you're the one that sold yourself. And so he pronounces judgment. Going back to 21, he says, I will bring calamity on you and will take away your pros- posterity, your children, and cut off from Ahab every male of Jezreel, Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to an- anger and made Israel sin. Now, Alex, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he this sin was more than just against Naboth. It was against the way Israel was to operate. They were to be a nation that was just and and you had this equality with individuals, and here is he as king through the provocation of his desires and Jezebel's uh, kills in order to take possession. That and God says you have called Israel to sin. Uh, I don't. I, I know he was raising up Baal, but I think that goes deep to the character of a nation. Mm, I'm telling you. Well, uh, you know, this is really kind of a grisly hard-to-read prophecy, what Elijah says. Uh, God says through Elijah, Behold, I will bring calamity on you, and I will take away your posterity. That's the sons. will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. And then there's a prediction of Ahab and Jezebel's death. And uh, when we come back, let's talk about this just a little bit because it's uh, what they did was wrong. How they end up is pretty hard to read isn't it it is we're going to be back with more about the prophet elijah you don't want to miss it we'll be right back this is pause to pray a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders today we pray for jessica lumen acting administrator of the wage and hour division at the department of labor her office ensures worker protections concerning minimum wage overtime, child labor, and family and medical leave. Proverbs 11.1 reminds us of the importance of fair labor practices. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with Him. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Jessica Lumen as she works to ensure fairness in the workplace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says we can walk with God just like the men and women we read about in the Bible, but only if we're up for where that walk may lead us. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Now walking assumes something. If you are a walker, you probably don't walk with somebody you don't like because you're not in harmony with them. So it would be an uncomfortable walk because there's no relationship. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be in agreement? In other words, it's hard to walk with folk you're in conflict with. So to walk with God involves agreeing with him. If you're disagreeing with God, it's hard for him and you to hang out together because you're not on the same page. You're not walking with each other. 
You're like on two different sides of the street. So to walk with God means, God, I agree with who you are. I agree with where you're going. Let me stroll with you. If you're disagreeing with God, you cannot at the same time be walking with him. So it assumes an agreement with God because he is spirit and you are relating to him spiritually, therefore walking in the spirit, you are including him on all the aspects of your life. He is now not a stranger that you occasionally go out with. He is somebody that you go on a daily walk with because you're walking with him as a continuous way of life. That means that there is harmony and agreement and a shared spiritual perspective. Discover how different your life can be when you start seeing the world God's way. Check with us for details on Dr. Evans' two-volume series, Heroes of the Faith, when you visit us online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. In Him we were also chosen as God's own, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything by the counsel of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of His glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We are in 1 Kings chapter 21. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. So glad you're listening. I do want to say that coming up very soon is October 15 through 17, the Truth for a New Generation Apologetics Conference, Biblical Worldview Apologetics, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, October 15 through 17. It's a beautiful time of year. You can come. You'll see and hear in person Sandy Rios, Frank Turek, Bishop E.W. Jackson, myself, a message from Miki Addison. It's going to be amazing. You can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com. It's for all ages. And, uh, Bert, we're going to be talking about, among other things, a biblical response to the woke movement, wokeness, critical race theory, political correctness. How, as a church, do we navigate these waters and so i would urge you to come october 15 through 17 to our next big truth for new generation conference and you can find out complete information at my website which is alexmcfarland.com alex this is so important i've been talking to some pastors and ministers and this woke movement is going wild in a lot of places especially in schools uh College, oh, yeah. yes, for sure, but it's reaching down into high schools, and and so how important this is. Let me encourage those of you. Uh, I, I pray that you'll make your way to Myrtle Beach, and uh, Alex, uh, we need to just let God do work. Sounds like a great, close to an AFR uh, lineup you have there, brother. <laughs> well, and you know what? It does speak to uh, what an incredible group of communicators this ministry has, and oh my goodness, you know, I know you and I are so honored to be a part of it, but yeah, I mean, and there's there's <laughs> dozens, I mean, Ed Vitagliano, Tim Wildman has spoken for us in the past, J.J. Jasper, uh, there's just so many, and isn't it a blessing 
uh, and I know this, folks, all of these voices you hear on the radio every day, they love the Lord. They love the Lord Jesus, but they love this nation. They care about the souls of people. And I'm so thankful that at this critical time, there's a ministry, the American Family Association, that has, um, I believe, uh, brilliant thinkers and effective communicators, all from a biblical perspective. And I, I schedule conferences and book them every chance I get, Bert. Well, amen. Keep it up, Alex. And I, I really mean that. Well, let's get back to Jezebel and Ahab. And so we have the pronouncement of Ahab dying. But, you know, Jezebel is not left out. Listen to these words in verse 23. Mm. And I, I, just the way it says it. And concerning Jezebel, you know, I, I think he said it with a little bit of in, in, emphasis on that. Now, concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke. The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dogs mm. shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Now, Alex, again, Goodness that is gracious. plain spoken, and it's going to happen. Uh, again, we're going to skip some uh, verses so we can tell the rest of this story and come back, but not verses, but chapters here in a little bit. And and notice this, you know, w what you want to do in a, in a mate, you want one that completes you for good, not for evil. This, yeah, was, yeah. this was a marriage put together by Satan to kill, steal, destroy. And that's exactly what they would do, Alex. Well, you know, it's funny how there are some names that just forever in a day will mean something bad. I think about the, the name Judas Iscariot, Benedict Arnold. I mean, those names just are irredeemable, but the name Jezebel. And you remember it said that, it, that she was the, quote, Phoenician wife of Ahab, okay? She was a, of a false religion and a false god. And, you know, it says, uh, verse 25, there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness. Very sad. Literally sold his soul to the dark side. It says, because Jezebel stirred him up. And the word stirred up, it's interesting. It's kind of a twofold word. It means instigated or incite, like motivate to do evil, but also the word allure. Now, I don't know if she was pretty or what she was, but somehow she attracted him, and he was willing to do anything to get her and for her, even if that meant turning away from God the Savior. Yeah. And that's a very sad thing. Let, let me just say this, and I'll throw it to you, Bert. Friend, nothing in this world, certainly not a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, other person, nothing should obsess you so much that it would cause you to turn your back on God. Preach it, Alex. Amen. Uh, and, and this, again, this couple is a powerful evil. I mean, in every way that you can put uh, with, a power with couple. Evil. Yeah, they're, they're it. And notice what happened. And he behaved very abominably in following idols. It wasn't just this. According to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. In other words, what God sent Israel to do, 
to to clean the land Ahab brought back, you know? And that's the whole idea. So it was when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his body, fasted, lay in sackcloth, and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity on his days, but in the days of his son, I'll bring the calamity on his house. In other words, all the posterity is delayed a generation. I want to ask you this, Alex. We see Ahab, uh, some of this, I'm going to call it remorse, okay? I think that's what it was. I, I don't see it as a true repentance turning to God, but it was something, but we don't know exactly. But we see nothing like that from his wife, Jezebel. Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, evil and power, um, murderous designs and false gods. And, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, uh, Jezebel's family was of Phoenician descent. And it's interesting, the Phoenicians, uh, false gods, and, you know, there's only one true God, Yahweh, the true and living God. But the Phoenicians worship this false deity, that, w- and all these false gods are evil, not moral, not righteous. But the Phoenicians worshiped a god called uh, Malquart, and you know what they say that is the Phoenician Baal. In other words, remember Baal worship had infected the land, and the Baal worshippers would cut themselves, would sacrifice babies. Elijah had uh, contended with the worshippers of Baal, and it might have gone by another name, but Jezebel brought into her marriage with Ahab the same kind of paganism, Baal, that was a problem for Israel throughout uh, much of the Old Testament. Um, doesn't matter what name it goes by, but satanic religion is satanic religion, isn't it? It is, and it does evil. Chapter 22, we may need to come back to that, but let's continue the story so we can help to see what happens to Ahab and Jezebel. I think we can do it in this in, in this segment. Uh, in chapter 22, you have Jehoshaphat and Ahab and them having an alliance and trying to agree but this this prophecy that has been made to to Ahab makes him understand that that some bad things are probably going to happen so he's trying to hide so when these two kings go out to battle in the same chariot uh, Ahab talks Jehoshaphat into trading quote places uh, let me just read verse 29. I hope I think I've set it up well enough. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Ahab's not dressing like the king. He's dressing differently. Now the king of Syria had commanded that 32 captains of his chariots, saying, Fight with no one small or great, but only the king of Israel. This, they're going after Ahab. So it was when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. Remember, they had traded uh, robes. At least uh, Jehoshaphat had his own. Therefore, they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. And it happened when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. 
Now, verse 34 to 36, listen. The judgment of God is sure. Now, a certain man drew a bow at random, and it struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out to the battle, for I'm wounded. Now, I'll get to the rest in a moment. Alex, hey, like this, a random shot by a random man, and that arrow hitting, hitting at basically the only place that King Ahab was vulnerable. That's mm. <laughs> how, what a coincidence, right? <laughs> well, the Bible says our days are numbered. God knows the time of our demise. God knows our steps. And I want to tell you something. There's no designs or schemes that can absolve you from... Uh, the I don't want to say fate because I don't believe in fate. I believe in the sovereignty of God. But let me tell you something. Uh, we can we can be ready for death, but we can't avoid death. You know, I, I know we didn't um, go over it too much, but do you remember the the part in this? I love this where they've got all these prophets that you know are going to prophesy good. You know, the, I've got four hundred prophets. Should we battle? And they all said, Oh, you know, yes, the Lord will give you success. And um, Jehoshaphat is like, are, are these all the prophets you've got? And Ahab says, well, there is one more named Micaiah, but I hate him because he only prophesies bad. And he brings him in and, and says, hey, look, please say good. In verse 14 of 1 Kings 22, Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. And, you know, Ahab says, look, you see, he always says bad on me. You know, all the other prophets have given the green light, so can't you can't you say good on this too? And uh, you know, Micah says the Lord wants you to go to battle. He's put a lying spirit in all those other prophets, so they would convict, convince you. And uh, one of them, Zedekiah, hits Micah and says, "You're the one with the lying spirit." And Ahab puts Micah in prison, but. Um, let me say this, uh, now and then, uh, finding people that will boldly, bravely tell the truth and finding people that will honestly heed God's truth, it's kind of a rare thing, isn't it? It is. You know, Ahab could be bought. You remember verse 25 of chapter That's, 21? Oh, yeah. This, this prophet, Micaiah, cannot be bought. All these others, they were on the payroll uh, of the king to say good things, not what God, thus saith the Lord, says. I think that's a word for preachers today. Uh, we better we better know that our employment is really with God, not from somebody telling us what to preach when we pr should preach the word. Real quickly, don't have mm -hmm. a lot of time, but I, I do want to get to Ahab and Jezebel. We'll come back. And he he went on into battle, but he bled to death basically that day mm -hmm. and the dogs in verse 38 licked up his blood while the harlots bathed according to the word of the lord it, it ahab was evil now it's going to be about 10 years and maybe everybody had forgotten about what elijah had said about jezebel but guess what alex god hasn't forgotten so in second kings chapter 9 verses 30 through 37 we have Jezebel on the scene again. And uh, so there's a battle going on. Uh, 
Is it all right to go there? Chapter 9, verse 27, Alex? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when Isaac, king of Judah, saw this, he fled to the road of Bethagan. Again, a battle. So Jehu pursued him and said, shoot him also. And, and this was all going on. Verse 28, the servants carried him back to Jerusalem. Verse 29, in the 11th year, that lets you know when it took place. Verse 30, and when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. She put paint on her eyes and adorned her head, looked through a window. Then, as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murder of master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? And who? And two of the three eunuchs looked out, and then they said, he said, Throw her down. So they threw Jezebel down. Some of her blood splattered on the wall, on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. And when he had gone in, he mm. ate and drank, came back out to bury him. And guess what had happened, Alex? The dogs had The dogs gone. had been. Yeah. Yes. They had been busy, well, hadn't they? Well, first, uh, first Kings 21 had said the dogs will eat you. Literally, the wording was the dogs will devour you. And, and that's what happened. The, you know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Um, Jehu goes in to her house, eats and drinks, and says, go out and bury her. But the prophecy Elijah had made in First Kings comes true about the grisly, horrible death of Jezebel. The only two things they didn't eat were the hands and the skull. Now, my professor mm. at Blue Mountain said, and it may have been R.G. Lee in his great sermon, Payday Someday, that he said it, I, too, yes. I do believe, that they, God, those dogs would not even consume the hands that would send those letters, nor the head that would think of such a thing. The, uh, exactly. Well, you know, uh, we'll talk more tomorrow about J. Hugh and his killing spree, but uh, we're going to take phone calls, Bible questions on Exploring the Word. Stay tuned after this brief break. 888-589-8840. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word, and we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Sometimes there's a delay between crying out to God in prayer and seeing those prayers answered. It is imperative for us in those times that we don't waver in our confidence in our God. The next verse goes on to say, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You see, the delay between supplication and delivered answer is one of the ways God develops endurance in us. He desires that the roots of our faith grow down deep. 
that we become trees planted by rivers of living water, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in his work. In this we grow beyond superficial Christianity. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 says this, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. The average American will work 90,000 hours in a lifetime. That's 10 hours a day, 7 days a week, no vacation, no days off for 25 years. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. God made us to work. He cares about our work. God instructs us to obey our earthly masters. So if your boss tells you to do something, do it with respect and sincerity unless it's against God's law or illegal or immoral or unethical. Are you respectful of your boss and others in authority over you? Commit to do your work with sincerity as unto Jesus. Today, when you go to work, remember, Jesus is your boss. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty is the number. Our lines are open today, so anybody who will be the first caller and connect and ask a question, triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Alex, I got a question for you. How's it going in Macon, Mississippi? Well, praise God, we're just having a big time. I got to speak at Grace Christian School this morning. I was in front of the teenagers. We we're talking about biblical worldview, and then we had a great lunchtime session there with Pastor Bill Ross and uh, Chuck Cotton, the music minister there at uh, Calvary Baptist, and I'll be there at uh, 6.30 tonight, and I want to say this, how much I love and appreciate the AFR listeners, because last night we just had people from all over Mississippi who seemed to come to to Macon, and, and tonight's our final night, so be in prayer, and uh, you know, uh, I'm going to be in Illinois this weekend, and I'll tell you more about that later, but uh, we're having a good time, and it's always a joy to see the Lord at work. Well, while we're waiting, we've got people calling in, but we're getting them set up so they can be on there. We're getting a lot, a lot of prayer requests from law enforcement officers and their families, Alex, yes. and, and a word of encouragement for you. You are ministers of God. Not long ago, we had a Sunday that uh, Dr. Franklin Graham set aside his law enforcement, you know, encouragement day. And so all of you who are police officers, highway patrol, whatever you are in uh, law enforcement, we want to tell you, AFR prays, and we praise for you, and we want to encourage you. Be strong and of good courage. I think that is. And we had some, they said it's so bad when they go home, they don't want to be around anyone and we had that call a week ago about a, he said, man, I don't even want to go to church. Sometimes, let me just say this, all of you who are listening, push through the pain. 
You have to. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You have to go through it. And God will help you. God will restore. And so, I, we, Alex, I just feel like praying for them today. Amen. Would that be okay? Let's do it. Well, you Let's lead us in prayer, brother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we live in a country based on moral truth. And thank you, Lord, that among uh, our great institution has been law enforcement. And Lord, we thank you for the, the men and the women that uh, put on the uniform and they stand in harm's way. And Lord, I, I've seen all over this country it, on the sides of cars, it says to protect and serve. That's a godly ministry. And Lord, your word in Romans 13 uh, says that such people that engage in local and national defense, they're actually ministers for you, Lord. So I pray that you would bless our law enforcement officers of all, whatever they do, administration, uh, on the highways, and Lord, let them know that they are appreciated. And Lord, the, the noise in the media, that doesn't speak for the majority of Americans. We pray for our law enforcement first responders. We thank God for them. Holy Spirit of God, protect them, encourage them, lift up their morale, and let them know that they are needed, they are wanted, and they are appreciated and prayed for. And Father God, keep our country safe. May the Holy Spirit bring peace throughout this nation as we turn to the Prince of Peace, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alex. Hey, let's, we had no one, no calls. Now we're filled up. So let's see how many we can get, Alex. Yes. Uh, let's go to Tennessee and talk to Linda. Linda, thank you for calling. Thank you for taking my call. I, I just had two quick questions, and it's, mainly about uh, Dick, the, the word S-E-L-A-H. Sela. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. What exactly is the translation for that? Okay. <laughs> Alex, is, is you know, it something similar to amen or so be it or praise the Lord? What? I forget. Go ahead. You know, uh, back in June when you and I were in Texas, we were in the room with and interviewed our Sela. friends, Sela, <laughs> yeah. the, the musical group. We sure did. And, you know, we talked about it. Uh, to, to be honest, I don't know that they completely know the origin or the meaning of that word, but it, it's kind of like in the Psalms, Sela. It means like, yes, it is, or amen, or, or so, so it is, you know. Um, the Lord, the Lord God is righteous, Selah, uh, and as best we can tell, it's kind of a Hebrew way of saying, "Right on, Amen." <laughs> That's what I remember when I was a student at Blue Mountain College. I'd always go up, and our, our our professor James Travis, he didn't need a lot. He's kind of like me. He had a lot of energy, and he didn't need a lot of encouragement to have some fun. So he said, "Guys." That means preach it. <laughs> yeah, amen. Right so on. So anyway, yes. Hey, Linda, thank you for calling. Uh, next, we're going to stay in Tennessee and go to Mike. Yeah, if I can get it. There it is. Mike, welcome. Be sure and turn your radio off, Mike. Hello? Hello, Hello Mike. Sir. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, you're on. Go ahead. I, yes, sir. I just had a quick question. I've been reading the Left Behind series. Uh, well, it's a book, uh, Tim Lahaye. Oh, okay, you're breaking up, but we got enough that we can respond to that. Uh, Tim Lahaye, let me tell you who that was. He was a great 
pastor, a great writer, uh, and he pastored the church where Dr. David Jeremiah is now. He, Amen. He, he preceded Dr. Jeremiah. I say that's pretty too good in a row. Tim LaHaye and then yeah. David Jeremiah, that church did good, didn't they, Alex? That they really did. I'm not sure. I was wondering if the caller was going to ask, is, is the Left Behind series biblical? And I think it is. I uh, do, too. Um, there's going to be uh, the rapture, the tribulation, uh, the, the reign of the Antichrist, the Battle of Armageddon. Christ returns victorious. There's a thousand-year millennium, and then the new heavens and the new earth. And, and I, I get that the Left Behind series... And, and by the way, uh, Dr. Tim LaHaye, I met many times, had him on the radio one time. Uh, Jerry Jenkins, I don't know him personally, but we've emailed back and forth because we've um, got some mutual friends in the Christian publishing industry. I think um, these are two very godly men, and uh, even though it's a, a dramatic retelling of Bible prophecy, uh, I consider it accurate, Bert. I do as well, and uh, again, I I loved it. I it got it spoke to my heart. I need to make sure I'm ready when God comes, you know. And so I think you're all right, Mike. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to stay in Tennessee today's Tennessee's day. Sharon, Amen. Sharon, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, hello. Um, thank you for your show. I listen to it all the time. I just love it. Um, I have two quick questions. One is. Um, about the term Holy Spirit. When I was growing up, all I ever heard was the Holy Ghost. And now all I ever hear is Holy Spirit, uh, which is fine. I was just wondering why they changed that. And the other question is uh, the term Father God. I hear that a lot, and it, it just doesn't sound appropriate to me. It sounds kind of cartoonish, or I guess it reminds me of Father Time. I was just wondering why so many churches or sermons have Father God now instead of uh, the typical Heavenly Father or Dear Lord or, you know, prayers open with Father God sometimes. Okay, thank you, Sharon. Uh, spirit and ghost. Uh, Alex, when you look at it in the Greek or Hebrew, uh, be translated, I mean, same same meaning. It yes. doesn't change a meaning at all, Sharon. Go ahead, Alex. Well, well, yeah, generally the word is pneuma, which is like uh, breath, like the breath of God. Um, I think in more modern translations, and I, I know the King James says, you know, in like 1 Corinthians 6, 19, your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and more modern translations will say Holy Spirit. Same word, I, I guess spirit, the, the Spirit of the Lord, is used more commonly now, maybe because the word ghost. Um, 400 years ago, people understood your, your spirit was, they would say, if somebody passed away, they would say, well, they, they gave up the ghost, meaning their spirit. Nowadays, when you hear the word ghost, G-H-O-S-T, you think of like a, a haunted house or something. And so it's not that the Bible has changed, but uh, I think to modern readers, the word spirit probably is a more accurate understanding that we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord, you know, the third member of the Trinity. As for saying, Dear Father, um, remember Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, I, I think it's completely appropriate to pray to the Heavenly Father. Um, maybe speech patterns, we, we get habits going, and, you know, 
I've heard everybody pray, Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father. I mean, do you know, because of the Trinity, Bert, it's entirely appropriate to pray in the name of the Spirit, isn't Amen. it? I have. I, I try to mix it up. I, if you want to know the truth, Alex, in my prayer life. Now, in baptism, I do say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because I, I just, man, the Father in time saw us. And again, I know they're one. Jesus, he went to the cross and rose again. The Holy Spirit convicts me, and uh, I, I just praise the Lord. And, but when it comes to time to prayer, sometimes it's kind of according what where your heart is and, and how you're praying. And uh, when I, I pray for presence, I say, sweet spirit, come, come. Mm. And, and so, Alex, I think uh, those, Father God, uh, I, uh, Sharon, I, I, he is our heavenly father and he is God. Uh, we could say, uh, God, the son, uh, you know, I, but, uh, you know, it's good to be alert to see if anything's changed. I don't see that those demean God in any way. Um, uh, so thank you, Sharon. Let's uh, go. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. Do, do you remember that hymn, Spirit of the Living God, Fall oh, Fresh hey, on Me? You, hey. do, Read the lyrics of that. That's really a prayer. It is. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Man, I pray he would. Amen, Alex. Do it. I pray for that to happen to you tonight at Macon, and uh, I'm going to be at First Baptist Baldwin at their Bible Amen. study. I'll be doing that tonight, and I pray the Holy Spirit would just anoint us freshness. So praise the Lord. Hey, let's go to Kansas and talk to Lee. Lee, welcome. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I had a question about the the way the the sons of Israel are mentioned in the Old Testament. I've t- taken a little survey by myself and found out they're mentioned 17 different ways in their orders, in 17 different orders. Um, <clears throat> the one question I have is on Deuteronomy uh, chapter 27, verse 12, where it talks about uh, the, the the sons that were on the mountain of blessings and the ones that were on the mountain of curse and how it was decided which sons would be on which mountain. Okay. They are listed in different ways. Alex, when they traveled, uh, they had, they, they had it, you know, four, uh, three on either side, uh, front, back, uh, left mm-hmm. and right. But when they came into the promised land, uh, they weren't necessarily they didn't do it that way, you know. They they didn't uh, build it that way. So, is there significance the way they're listed? We fi- let me say this, and I'll turn it over to you. The same thing basically occurs with the apostles. Uh, you know, listing the apostles, you'll find them listed, uh, but they're usually listed in the groups that they they find. Uh, it seems like you know they listed as like three together these three together is anything truth to that about the tribes or do you think it is you know a lot of the listings of the sons of jacob slash israel the you know jacob was also known as israel very often it was in birth order you know oldest to the youngest um sometimes they were uh listed as to uh who their mother was you know either uh leah or or Bilhah or um, Rachel, 
But on that, you know, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, you remember that? Yes. If you do good, and all those blessings were listed for Mount Gerizim, and if you do evil, those were listed for Mount Ebal. To be honest, the the groupings there, I, I don't exactly know. I would have to study on that and try to discern how they were um, arranged the way they were. Might have been in birth order, uh, but I have to confess at this moment, Bert, I just don't know. Okay, thank you, Lee. We don't have a lot of time, so we're going to go to Mike in Texas. Mike, we don't have a lot of time. Go ahead, though. Got about uh, 30 seconds for your question. Yes, sir, just a quick question. I'm born born in uh, uh, Roman Catholic, baptized Roman Catholic. Why is it I hear that you have to be born again in order to go to heaven? uh, Baptism isn't good enough? Alex, take that away. We got a minute and a half. Mike, listen closely. Uh, God bless you. You know, it depends. Different different churches emphasize it more than others. Generally, though, uh, we say you must be born again because Jesus said that in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. He said you must be born again by putting your faith in Christ. Some churches, they don't emphasize that. I don't know why. Maybe they're just counting on the Holy Spirit to tell somebody. But in general, not always, but Catholic churches believe that God's saving grace is conveyed via the sacraments, taking communion, being confirmed. But really, biblically, you have to personally choose to put your trust in Jesus. And I pray you would do that today if you've not done that already. Mike, remember Zacchaeus, uh, he had to come down. Uh, We find out, you know, so many, you must be born again. He told the Philippian jailer, uh, Paul said, believe on the Lord, trust in him. Born again is that term. It's trust in Jesus Christ. That does not happen for a child. Uh, it happens somewhere uh, as a baby. It happens somewhere either in childhood, teenage years, or adulthood. When you turn away from your way and say, God, come into my life. I want to trust you. Paul said, uh, Jesus told him, need to be born from above or born from a, uh, born again. This is from God. So, Mike, we do pray you trust the Lord. And, Bert, isn't it good people can do it right now today? They can be born again if they will call out to Jesus. If you need more help, 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. Give them a call. Alex, we'll be back tomorrow with more of Exploring the Word. God bless you, folks. Thanks for listening.